Don't Wreck Yourself features words and situations that are not appropriate for young listeners. This show is only for adults and unsupervised juvenile delinquents of exquisite taste and refinement. Each week, Matt and Ryan look into claims they find online, answer your questions, and say bad words! Now your way is the only way, and my way is the only way to Fill the space between a hard place and a rock is all we do but we'll entertain the conversation that leads us to the truth. What do we know? What trips to telephones that are no different to you. Welcome to Don't Wreck Yourself. My name's Ryan Placetti, and I'm here to bake you a cake, decorate it with candles, and light it with the flame of knowledge. And I'm Matt Sainting, and if you couldn't tell from Ryan's uh, opening there, uh, we are recording this at a time where it is mere days from my birthday. And as you're listening to this, uh, the day of release, it is a mere day before my birthday. So it's a very special Matt birthday episode. Yeah. And if you have an Amazon Prime membership and you are listening first thing in the morning, there is still time to get my man, Matt, a very, very special birthday present. I do live in a major metropolitan area. Uh, Amazon will deliver to my doorstep like within hours. So, yeah, please give me some stuff. What we're saying is there's still time. Uh, <laughs> So what, I mean, it's, I think we should just jump right into the first birthday. No stupid question. All right. Well, happy birthday, Matt. What did you get for yourself? Uh, um, you know, I, I, I refilled my psychiatric medicine prescription, which is, I think, so, a little bit of <laughs> a little bit of self 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 love there. So a little bit of self self care. Um, but this question comes from no stupid questions. User Arthur, the creator. This is interesting. So did Arthur create no stupid questions? No, he's just the user. Is any relation to Tyler? Oh, uh, not that I know of. All right. Well, uh, for those of you who just tu- who are for those of you who are tuning in for the first time, there's no one tuning in for the first time. There's no. <laughs> for the, <It's- laughs> there might be somebody tuning in for the first time. If, if this and- is the first time if you're listening to Don't Wreck Yourself, send us a note at wreckyourpod at gmail.com. I have a lot of questions, like how you heard from it. Yeah, <laughs> how and you, heard of you it. know what? You you could even go to r slash no stupid questions. And ask, hey, what's r slash no stupid questions? And the answer you'll get from every single member of that forum is this is a place where there are no stupid questions. Of course, of course. So what's Arthur the Creator bringing well, so for Arthur us the Creator asks very important birthday question. Is a chicken's birthday the day its egg was laid or the day it hatches from the egg? I know my I know where I stand on this, but I, I want to know where, you know stand where on this. I know where I stand on this, which is hunched over in the corner on my nest, keeping my brood warm. You brood, yeah, uh, of eggs. Okay, I was thinking brood in the bee sense. I was like, I was like, I, I thought you were like a, a queen bee hovering over your. I mean, bro- yeah, you know? I mean, in this in this analogy, I could be a a a, a chicken with a bee. I, I, I don't I know. Think you're an a, I think you're an A plus chicken. <laughs> <laughs> I'm egg plus chicken. Oh, there you go. Oh man. Oh man. Uh, so yeah, I, I have I have strong opinions about this. I would say that the chicken's birthday is the day it hatches. Absolutely, yeah, me too, me too. And I think um, if 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 you think a chicken's birthday was the, was the day that it, it it was laid, or let's just say if I thought that, I would have to change my stance on vegetarianism because I eat a lot of eggs, right? But an yeah. unfertilized egg is not life; it is not an animal. Right. I would even say a fertilized egg is not animal. And if I if I did, I would have to change my personal views on abortion. Right. Yeah. Um, so the the day 
the chicken hatches from the egg and can live and breathe on its own with minimal support. That that is that is the day that that chicken was born. That is its birthday. I'm pretty sure if it's born in Texas, its birthday is the day the grizzled faced white man tips his cowboy hat back and holds it up to the light so he can see whether it's been filled. With oh the, god <laughs> with the chicken boy batter yeah with right <laughs> <laughs> whether go ahead and what, dr- double dredge that <laughs> whether that rooster got its biscuit oh um, man oh man yeah so i think it's pretty clear mammals are also produced from eggs yeah and we don't consider our birthday to be until we are expelled from well until we're released from the the placental sack from Which the, essentially fr- fr- from the maternal bowels of, of from the mommy poop shoot, if you will. Oh, <laughs> God, I'm, I'm sure your wife would love to hear you say that. Like, okay. refer to- <laughs> there, there, there are so many. We have so many listeners who practice gynecology and they are all mortified that we're spreading this misinformation about well, where babies come from. I'm, I'm, I'm only an amateur gynecologist. I'm, I'm doing it for the lulls and for the for the love of the game. <laughs> not for, not, I'm not doing it for I'm not doing it for profit. <laughs> I think it's interesting. Um, yeah, you're right. Uh, we do come from. Egg. So I, I think your birthday is the day your dad got an erection in the night you were conceived. That is when your that is when your birthday is. Your birthday should be the first day your dad ever got an erection. So in your your my birthday was I guess when my dad was in maybe the seventh grade in the uh, sixties. I guess you know. Wow, you're getting older. I know. I, I think we're I think we're both on the same page. Arthur the Creator. That was not a stupid question. It's a good birthday related question, which I appreciate. It gives yep. another opportunity for me to talk about birthday and how I want to be showered with love and praise. So and gifts. It's just a birthday bukkake. Just a, oh. I just want to, I just want to, oh God, I just, <laughs> I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> but you know what's saving the Trump campaign a lot of money? Oh God, nothing, nothing. Well, those birthday bukkakis are a lot cheaper in Russia now. Oh God. Yeah, but good, good luck getting there. Oh, he'll find a way. Yeah, he'll just call up his buddy Vlad to get a private jet taken. <laughs> That's what he would fucking do. Uh, so I was cruising Twitter the other day and a guy named Dan Held had tweeted, the ruble is now worth less than toilet paper. And he did the math. He said the ruble's sitting at 0.0076 of the U.S. dollar, which is about 80% of a penny. So he says, according to my last order, my toilet paper was 2649 for 1,950 sheets or holy shit, 0.01358 per sheet. This means it would be cheaper to wipe your ass with rubles, but probably less comfortable. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would imagine so. Yeah, it's interesting. And this is also during or I guess just after the great toilet paper apocalypse where people couldn't find toilet paper in the stores. That's one thing the zombie movies got wrong is the run on toilet paper two years, like two years ago, you know? (laughs) I think you probably end up with more people dying of cholera because they're unable to properly clean their butts. Are people spending this, this crap cash, the ruble? Well, that's just it. The toilet paper's not trading as currency, I think is the issue. Maybe it shouldn't Russia. I know. So I thought this was an interesting observation. It kind of speaks to the effectiveness of the united efforts of global economic decision makers. I mean, when Switzerland says, no, you've been too bad. Yeah, you you know you're in trouble. (laughs) Yeah, they're like, we value our neutrality except for this. This is. Yeah, Switzerland's the kind of country that would walk past an alley, see somebody pressed up against the wall with a knife held to their Not belly, my problem, and then just keep walking. <laughs> yeah, that's Switzerland. <laughs> I, I love that the the guy did the math on this toilet paper ruble question. Um, also, it's just again, it just talk, it just speaks to how crazy, crazily fast 
the Western world was able to crash the Russian economy. The stock market has stopped. They it, they, they no longer trade stocks in in Russia because it, it just it's crashed. too sad. It's just too sad yeah. of a story. <laughs> like your average your yeah. average Russian banker or stock 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 portfolio manager opens up his portfolio. He closed it and said, "Nope." Yeah, <laughs> I think there was a guy. Uh, he was a Russian. I want to see like a financial correspondent on Russian TV. And he says, I'll tell you, my retirement plan is now being mall Santa Claus. That's what he said. So, <laughs> I mean, it would, it, it's a funny joke if it wouldn't have been like terrible. This guy's losing his shit and want him and well, every other Russian, you know, but that, that, that's just it, average though. Russian. I mean, I guess. It, this, this is uh, such an unfortunate conflict because it is not a popular conflict in Russia. I'm sure they have some hardline nationalists who buy into the propaganda. The people in the Duma for sure. Yeah. But, well, I don't know that they have much of a choice. Yeah, exactly right. You know, Maria, Marina Butina is in the Duma in Russia. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Found that out the other day. Yeah, I was like, well, it makes sense, though. Checks out. It doesn't check out. It Russians out. <laughs> so bad. So bad. You know, that was the greatest birthday gift you could have ever given me right there. I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm talking just, about birthdays in every topic today. <laughs> Yeah, so it's going to be hard for Putin to fund the, the further denazification of Ukraine. <laughs> and then and then he bombed the Nazi memorial in Ukraine, which is how you know he's 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 uh he's yeah, really he's trying denazifying yeah. Ukraine. He's completely eliminating the memory. Yeah. Of- no, no mentions of not no mentions of it, not even memorialization. No mentions of it. He's eliminating the entire history of autocracy so that way they he- won't see it coming. Oh, well, I was going to say he's really taking like the Southern thing. It's like it's our history. You know, it's the real the Southern uh, American stance on this one. But speaking of complex math, I found this on the subreddit r explain like I'm five. Why are Arabic numerals so much simpler in construction than Arabic letters? Well, I would say that the um, first reason is because you learned English as a first language. And so Arabic letters do not come natural to you. If you were born in Yemen or Syria or in fucking Pakistan, Arabic letters would come naturally to you. So I think you'd be surrounded by them. Yeah. And that's how you learned. That's how you learn. To to clarify, Arabic numerals is kind of a misnomer. The the longer way of describing it would be Hindu Arabic numeral system or Indo Arabic numeral system. And that's because these, uh, these numbers are a positional decimal numeral system which is different than, say, the Roman ancient numeral Egypt. system. Or, or ancient Egypt, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so there, there are a lot of different ways of counting. The most common one in the modern world is this, what we would call the Arabic numeral system, which is decimal-based. So basically, everything works on base 10, as opposed to Roman numerals, where they're like, yeah, I have a number for 50. <laughs> yeah, it's like a V and 12 X's, yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. <clears throat> what is a number for 50? C? No, that's 100. That's 100. It would be, ha- what's ha- what's C.5? <laughs> I know the Point. D is 500. L is 50 in Roman numerals. Uh, so the, the number system was actually invented in what we would probably consider to be North India. It was invented between the 1st and 4th century by Indian mathematicians, and it spread into the Arabic world uh, along trade routes. Wow, so we, sh- we really should be calling it the Indian numerals, then, not the Arabic uh, numerals. They are sometimes called Indian numerals. Uh, Interesting. But, okay. So some of the early Arabic names are actually like dust numerals because the idea was the you'd scratch out calculations in the dust and then erase it. Hmm. All right. So the earliest example of uh, Arabic numerals as we kind of understand them now are actually found in, in the 870s in Egypt. So at this point, although the math was settled, the symbology wasn't, and it shows multiple ways of writing to uh, of writing twos and threes, which can then be traced to the divide between Eastern and Western Arabic numerals. 
Of uh, course. Yeah. Who hasn't who hasn't thought about that divide before? I know, right? <laughs> so from Egypt East, they use uh, they use one convention. Then in Northwest Africa and Spain, under Muslim rule, they used another. The ones that were in use in Spain ultimately ended up filtering up into the Romantic and the German languages and became commonly used throughout Europe. And they get adapted to our script, essentially. So they call them Arabic numerals because the concept of a decimal-based num- uh, numerical system came to Europe through through interaction with the Arab world. Yeah. I have to, I have to jump in here and say, say that you are not explaining like I'm five on this. You're talking about the Moorish Empire and, and the history of Arabic numerals. But the, the question is, why are they so much simpler in construction? Oh, and um, you're not explaining. And you're not expl- this. If, if you told a five year old this shit, he would be confused as fuck right now. Well, maybe you're hanging out with the wrong. Maybe you're hanging <laughs> oh, out with yeah, the wrong five year olds. Yeah, you're hanging out with all the genius five year olds who are predicting <laughs> the future that, and all that shit. That's, that's what it is. I don't hang out with any five year olds. I'm a single man in my thirties. It'd be a, weird if I did. <laughs> so yeah, I'm not, sing- I'm not single. I'm not single. I'm not. I'm just you know unmarried man yeah, with I'm, no intention I'm, of having babies. I am betrothed. Yeah, you're right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So to explain it like I'm five, they're uh, they're called Arabic numerals in English because they came from the Arab world. And Arabic numerals in Arabic-speaking countries do not look like our Arabic numerals. They have a different construction. They flow with the writing better. It's a completely it is a completely different symbology. So this is I shouldn't use the word symbology when explaining it to a five year old. Yeah, or talk about the Moorish Empire in Spain. <laughs> <laughs> Explain it like I'm five. You'll understand when you're older. Uh, you'll, understand, you're, you'll understand when you're our age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Arabic Arabic numerals is, a, is an English name for it. I'm trying to, what's another example of a French toast, for example? Like, we call things French toast and French fries in America. That doesn't mean they necessarily have a relationship with, with France. They're not, they, they weren't invented in France. Or the Dutch rudder. The Dutch, well... Was that, I don't know if that was invented in Denmark or uh, in the, the Netherlands. But for, so for those of you who don't know what a Dutch rudder is, a Dutch <laughs> I'll rudder show is, you later. It's my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> a Dutch rudder is. And then everyone comes. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's it. Do you think uh, if the th- this person was raised in, I don't know, Iraq um, the question would be, why are Arabic numerals so much harder in construction as opposed to Arabic letters? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, right? This really is this really just has to do with how you were introduced to language and math uh, as, a, as a child, I think. What's what's kind of interesting here is it takes about three or four hundred years before everybody in Europe's just like, yeah, we are on this fucking train. <laughs> it's just two dorks meeting in a library. And one of them's like, yo, I uh, what, what do you got? Dutch rudder? Anyone? You, anyone? You want to do a Dutch rudder? <laughs> You're meeting in a CD library. Right. They got candles. MMMXX. It's like, yo, dog, are you still using Roman numerals? They'll have like a fucking after school illuminated special. <laughs> so I think you, you've done a good job of explaining where no, they I come haven't. from. No, no, no. <laughs> you've, uh, you know, you have. And I was trying to be nice. I was trying to be nice. But like, um, um, why is it easier? Why is it easier to write? Because we've modified the letters to fit our alphabet and our there writing you system. There you go. Uh, yeah. Whereas they, in Arabic-speaking countries, have modified the letters to fit their writing system, which is why if you look at their their numbers next to our numbers, they look it different. It looks different, like wildly different, yeah. I did not realize I was picking two different math-based questions in a row. Yeah, I think you did. I think you're doing it to piss me off. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> 
I oh, that's just a happy side effect. This is a happy side effect. Happy yeah. birthday. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> happy birthday here. Have some math. Hey, yeah. Matt, how many candles are you blowing out this year? Uh, well, um, X, X, yeah, right. Um, no, <laughs> I turned 37. All right. So you'd be X, X, V, I, I. X, 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 V, I, I. Yeah, I was going to say, I was like, yeah. You'd be triple X, V, I, I. Ooh, hell yeah. I like that. I'm gonna get that tattooed on me today. <laughs> I'm going to get a tattooed on me two years ago. <laughs> time travel. <laughs> Speaking of time travel, time travel also uh, often takes place in a vortex. And I believe you had a vortex that you wanted to explore. So in 2020 in Hoboken, New Jersey, residents witnessed what they call a worm tornado, a tornado of worms, if you will. Yum. Uh, a woman who wishes to remain anonymous told LiveScience.com that she saw a cyclone of worms and she probably sent those images to the city council who did what the city council did and immediately put it on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> the best thing the city council maybe so has ever done. is this image the actual image of the event? Yeah, 100%. But if, but if you look at this, so the image looks like the worms are in the sky. That's on a sidewalk. Oh, okay. it looks like it's like an actual cyclone in the air. It is a swirly pattern on the sidewalk gra near grass line. Yeah, you can see the seam in the concrete. It kind of looks like Starry Night from Van Gogh, if I'm being honest. Like yeah. The swirls, the swirls there, right? This is not normal. Worms typically do not do this. The images show a lot of, and I mean a lot of worms, in a swirly pattern on the ground near the edge of grass. The swirls, again, have a Starry Night Van Gogh quality to them. But the photographer set, saw it the worms were spiraling, almost wriggling in place. So the question now is, how did the worms get there? Okay. There was no open pipes. There were plenty of worms extending beyond the outer curve of the wormnado, and they clung to the wall of a nearby building and dribbled down the curb and into the road. It's kind of crazy. Thousands of worms are doing right. this. So how did they get there? This is when it gets wild. A few nights before, it was a supermoon that illuminated the night sky. And this is going to blow your mind, Ryan, because that phenomena is called a worm moon. Okay, you know, now we're getting into some. Is this a lunar event? Right. Uh, it is often called the worm moon, according to reporting by the Maine's Farmer's Almanac. You're probably li li I do ancestral not, literature. I do, <laughs> not, I do not read any other Farmer's Almanac. Uh, I only trust true Maine farmers. So this came in the in the 1930s. According to this lore, indigenous tribes in the American South reportedly named it the worm moon after earthworms popped up around this time of year. So the fact that the worm moon happened and then a few days later, this worm NATO happened, it's possible that there's a connection there. Uh, but I think that it's not likely a lunar event. Um, okay. And this is why. This is why. Worms breathe through their skin. Uh, so when heavier persistent rain saturates the soil, the worms must tunnel to the surface or they risk drowning. That's the reason why yeah. worms uh, pop up to the surface, right? Earthworms are typically solitary, but they sometimes form herds, especially when they're on the surface. I think this is just a heavy rain happened and the worms gathered in groups and how they communicate is via touch. They don't send chemical signals. So they communicate by just like rubbing up against one another. So just imagine all these slimy worms just worming around, touching each other. I can I can imagine that it's, yeah, uh, it's the thing of nightmares little, or maybe dreams. Little, a little bit of worm touch, a little bit of Dutch rudder worm action going on there. <laughs> um, I don't think they can actually legally perform a Dutch rudder. Because they're not in the Netherlands. Yeah, it's only it only a Dutch rudder ever comes from the Dutch part of France. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a Dutch part of France? No, it's just, but it's like a champagne <laughs> joke. It's a champagne <laughs> joke. It's only it comes. <laughs> um, so California blackworms have been known to do this. They, they form enormous living knot of worms, not unlike a rat king. If, 
if you're familiar okay. with that. Um, the scientific term is also known as a blob of worms, which I think is fucking hilarious. Scientists really swung for the fences on that one. <laughs> like, uh, what's that? Ah, it's a fucking blob. Uh, like they couldn't be bothered to name it. But the California black worm, they were threatened by drought. And then they came to the surface and started like communicating with each other. So they started forming like a knot of worms, thousands of them, tightly packed blob of worms. Uh, they're less likely to dry out than one worm on its own. So it's a survival technique, right? Okay. So why did the cyclone of tornado worms happen on the pavement? It's still kind of a mystery. It's really unclear. But I think the the best explanation is local re- weather reports described heavy rainfall the night before the photos were taken. Okay. About one inch in all. Uh, so I think that would have resulted in a lot of earthworms coming out of the soil for air. And then I think they could have gotten washed away by the by the storm or by the by the water and just formed in this pattern on while the water was receding. Either that or if they're if they're responding to touch, then it's. You know, if you're if you're moving along, if you're moving along a wall and say putting your hand out and feeling the wall yeah. to one side of you and that wall is curved in or made up of other beings also doing the exact same thing, create like a little feedback loop. Yeah. All the all the worms had to do was touch with their hands. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so everybody's turning slightly to the right and following the person and uh, the person kind of to the front. And yeah, I could see how a spiral would form. Well, Speaking of keeping to the right and obeying traffic laws, I have (laughs) another topic here. So this question is, again, comes from No Stupid Questions uh, by user SpareAnybody3897. And they ask, if gas got too high and electric cars are expensive, what's stopping me from using a horse and carriage? Nothing. Um, Uh, Availability of horses and carriages in your in your local environment. Well, uh, it really comes down. First of all, um, this is a car, this is a difficult question to answer, right? Because uh, individual rules can vary from region to region with regards to exactly when and where you can ride. But for the most part, it is legal to ride your horse on the road, except where expressly forbidden. Okay. Uh, horse-drawn carriages and sleighs sleighs are considered slow-moving vehicles and are also governed by traffic laws. The roadways in, in the United States, they're intended to be shared with others. Uh, this includes cyclists and equestrians, like horse riders, right? Yeah. According to the state of Ohio and Pennsylvania, where you live, a section of, of each has a, has an Amish or a Mennonite population. Uh, there's approximately 60 major crashes involving horses throughout the year. So oh, throughout the day- I have no doubt. Yeah, throughout the decade, about 600 horses are getting mangled up in the car wrecks and shit like that. I mean, it's a huge issue around here, and I'm not going to say a problem because I don't want to imply that Amish people using a horse and buggy is a problem because it's not. The problem is people don't know how to pass them or when it's appropriate to pass them. So I I could see these accidents happening a lot of times because people are trying to pass them on a hill and they're not seeing oncoming traffic. And then you just end up running head on into another vehicle and taking out the buggy with you or running into the buggy because you're not paying attention. You're on your cell phone and the Amish guy's on his cell phone and everybody's on their <laughs> no, cell phone. They're, they're, they're trading, <laughs> they're trading stocks and using lights. I don't know. Right there. Yeah. No. Um, I, I mean, so th- th- there's two questions here. There's a legal, there's a legality question and then there's a practicality question. So what's stopping you legally? Uh, it's actually kind of hard to find out if something is illegal or not without paying an attorney. It's a, kind of a pain in the ass here. <laughs> it's almost like the attorney set it up that way. Exactly right. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but, but, but I was looking uh, in different jurisdictions. So in New York City, for example, they have a rule that no person shall leave a horse unattended in the street without it being securely fastened or harnessed to a vehicle with wheels. So you can't just tie your horse up to a post or something else on the in New York City street. That's bullshit. That is bullshit. Because if I'm an urban cowboy, <laughs> if you're the, the the one urban cowboy in Times Square, if I'm if I'm an urban the naked, cowboy, the, 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 the naked cowboy, I think is what they call him. Yeah, well, where's this fucking horse? 
Well, he's probably tied to a vehicle. If he's, well, if he's, just, abide, if he's know, abiding I, I, by all the traffic laws. Time out. Loophole, though. Loophole. Let's say you are just riding your horse. You're sitting in the saddle like a big tough guy cowboy, and you don't have a carriage behind you. Technically, yeah. you would think you can't park, but what you can do is you can just tie it to any vehicle lying around. I think Each, that would. I think that that would be a, that would be a, that would not be legal. That, I think like that's a problem. I, like if I tied off my horse on like a Prius's rearview mirror. Yeah, I. Um, first of all, you should never tie a. Ho- I think horse has more horsepower than a Prius. So, <laughs> I, 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 as a former Prius driver, I'm going to stand up for the Toyota Prius. I think oh. that thing's got a little bit of oomph, and what I really like about it is the way it handles in the snow. Because oh. it's so heavy because of the lithium ion batteries that are being stolen in droves right now. <laughs> are, they, are they? Yeah, that and catalytic converters, man. My boss's daughter's kid had their catalytic converter stolen three times in Cincinnati. They still use catalytic converters? What type of. Uh, is, is... They, they, still use, they still use them. Yeah. The, oh. the more you know. And that's why you turn into don't wreck yourself, folks. To learn. Anyway. It's to find um, out what we don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, so to bring up your point here, New York Traffic Code 1261 states every person riding or leading a horse upon a roadway shall be granted all rights and shall be subject to all the duties applicable to the driver of a vehicle by this title. So that's some pretty confusing legalese that seems to only be saying that anyone on horseback should follow the same traffic laws as a driver of an automobile. Turn signals. Can I can I use hand signals or do I have to do I have to wire my horse up? No, I think you got <laughs> you got to put a spoiler <laughs> on your horse. Too fast, too horse furious. No, I if think if, um, your, if your horse farts, you can get a noise violation. <laughs> <laughs> you got to put a muffler on that thing. <laughs> uh, I did look up. You you can ride a horse in the city's parks uh, only on designated bridle paths, but it is illegal to leave your horse unattended for any reason. What if you have what if you have a sentient talking horse like Mr. Ed? Shouldn't Mr. Ed be able to be his own man? Mr. Ed was not in New York City, so he, pr- he probably left the city because of all of the he's being, you know, what am I looking for? Oppressed. Probably, man. Yeah. You look, can't cite me. I'm my look, own man. But, but what about? Uh, oh, well, first of all, I should say it's legal to ride a horse in District of Columbia. And in 2020, uh, a man rode a horse in D.C. during rush hour. I remember this to kind of slow down right. traffic. He was just an animal caretaker from Maryland who says he wanted to take advantage of the nice weather and expose D.C. children to the magic of horses. So that's kind of nice. That ends fun. Uh, I also looked and up, then maybe, uh, and then you know maybe if he's good, he just keep a few. Yeah. Oh God, Jesus! <laughs> it got it got dark real quick. <laughs> After exposing the children to the majesty of horses, he throws a few in a sack and rides far, far away. I also <laughs> looked up a <laughs> way to way to libel this guy who's trying to introduce the magic of horses to children, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. He could be a cannibal. Yeah, that's true. Um, so uh, that's in cities. But what about in more rural parts of the country? In the like state where of I live. Yes, exactly. So in, in Pennsylvania, actually, you can totally ride a horse anywhere. Um, there yeah. is like n- there's essentially no restrictions on horses on horses and uh, on on any roads in the state of Pennsylvania. Like I'm uh, looking it, out my window at a horse right now. Yeah, but it's not it's not on the street though. It is a beautiful black stallion in the middle of a snowstorm. It's uh, kind of very majestic. Stoic. Very stoic. Very stoic. Oh my god, so stoic. Uh, Louisiana prohibits riding a horse on any asphalt based road. Uh, there are many states that prohibit the driving or riding of horses on the right. Of way on um, a limited access highway, like an interstate highway. Yeah, that makes that uh, makes co- sense. But in Colorado, you can totally do it. It's kind of crazy. Um, but th- those are the legal questions. Again, it depends on your jurisdiction. Check on your check your state's laws, even though it can be kind of a hard question to track down. Um, what about the practicality issues of owning a fucking horse and using it as your main mode of transportation? Yeah. Well, one of my favorite things about where I live is I my house backs up to an eighty eight acre horse farm and. 
I can look out my window at the beautiful majesty of horses and without appreciate having to take it care without of having one. to do yeah. anything. I don't without have to pay, pay for, for it. One. I don't Feed have it. to muck the stalls. None of it. You don't got to change its shoes, scoop its shit, and do whatever the yeah, the, is. the only downside is because I live in an area where uh, there's a lot of equestrian activities. You know, you do have to be careful. There are horse riders out on the out on the road and crossing the streets. Uh, every Tuesday morning, actually, for most of the year, they do uh, fox chases. Like oh, that's wow. how that's how fancy the horse farms are in my area. This is yeah, I was like, gonna say it's rich rich people horses. Th- these yeah. are rich people horse farms. Uh, that eighty eight acre horse farm has a barn that definitely costs more than my house, and those <laughs> horses are definitely loved more than me or anybody in oh. my house. Well, what is holding you back practicality from from owning a horse and from using it as your main mode of transportation? So I actually did the math on this one. Surprise! More yeah, math exactly, in this episode. Exactly, You're welcome. Yeah. My gift to you. Math worms. Not one, not two, but three. Uh, 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 math math a, topics it, for my buddy. <laughs> it's a turkey, or as the Romans would say, 30. This <laughs> is the three X's. <laughs> God, those Romans sure did love triple X. Yeah, yeah uh, right. A quick Google shows that horse boarding costs you between 5 and $25 per day. Prices wow. vary on factors such as the services provided and where the facility is located. I imagine horse boarding where I live is... Probably in the mid range, because on one hand, there's a very well to do horse market. Okay. On the other hand, there's also an abundance of stables. So I imagine that probably factors in and and keeps the keeps the cost of ownership probably right around the middle. Full boarding in an urban area can cost a lot more than pasture board, boarding in rural areas. But that comes out to between one hundred and fifty and seven hundred fifty dollars per month. Now, we also know that a horse and carriage is going to travel about 8 to 10 miles per hour. We're going to use the figure 10 miles per hour. It's easier. Yeah, it's easier. That is a faster rate, and also it's easier to divide by 10 on our decimal numerical system inherited from our our Indian forebears. Uh, So let's assume 12 hours of travel. That allows you to go 120 miles per day, which puts your miles per dollar uh, somewhere between 5.8 and 24, depending on how much your boarding costs. How high does gas have to be in order to okay, make sense? Well, I mean, let's look at uh, let's look. We're at on gas. the way now. We're on the yeah. way. I just want to know for there. I just so want to know for there. Odds yet. are we're going to hit five dollar gas if something doesn't change soon. Because I think we're already uh, up to four fifty, and parts of the country are probably already up at five dollars. So let's California, say five dollars yeah. per gallon. Since we're talking about the high cost of gasoline and car ownership, so if gas is five dollars per gallon and your vehicle's make, getting twenty miles per gallon, which is which is pretty standard for like folks driving big trucks and complaining about. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, like, you know how I know you didn't you don't give a shit about gas prices because you drive you spent eighty thousand dollars for a truck not to do truck things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so basically any truck any truck flying a let's go Brandon flag is probably getting about twenty miles per gallon. So five dollars <laughs> per gallon, they're actually getting four miles per dollar. So at four miles per dollar, you're actually getting a better rate out of the horse, even at wow. that $25 a day boarding rate. But it's also an opportunity cost because riding a horse is going to take a lot longer than driving in a car. So you have to account for that in your day. You, yeah. Your commute your commute's going to be longer. What do you do with the horse when you're at work for fucking eight hours? Right. If you're in New York City, you can't just tie it up, you know? Yeah. And that's the problem. In order to in order to maximize the benefit of having a horse, you really have to be traveling on that horse. Like if you're going cross country yeah. Oregon Trail style, a horse is actually going to be che- might actually end up being cheaper than a truck. It would just take you so much longer. Yeah. Right. But even at five dollars a gallon, let's say you're you're getting a you've got like a hybrid and you're getting forty miles per gallon. That that increases to eight miles per dollar. Uh, owning a reasonable economic vehicle is still going to be cheaper than owning a horse, most likely. Okay. Yeah. 
once you once you consider lost opportunity and the cost of uh, the cost of actually boarding the creature. So what's holding you back from riding a horse? Well, in some states, maybe the law uh, in other areas, the, the prohibitive cost is what's holding people back from owning a horse and using it as their primary way of transportation. And the asker says horse and carriage. You're going to have to insure the carriage as if it's a that's vehicle. True. Right. So that, that's another that's another that's another tick in the con column, I would say. Yeah, I think unless you have a. So here's the dream situation. You put a mobile Wi-Fi in your carriage. Now you can work while you're on the road. So that, that that's the only way I can see making it practical, because in order to maximize the value of a horse, you literally have to be driving it for 12 hours a day. The upside is uh, if you set a horse loose in a field, technically speaking, it should feed itself during, during most months of the year. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it definitely. Yeah, it definitely would. That's all they do, man. Yeah, that's, that's I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that is what they do. They sit out in the pasture all day, just quietly munching on food. And every now and again, when situation changes, they stare mournfully at the people who have enslaved them and caged them. Oh, so all of a sudden the meat eater is really caring about the rights of horses. I'll Are have you kidding you, me right I'll now? I'll have you know you have that horse I... meat in your ha- you have horse meat in your fucking house. How have we not talked about that yet? Uh oh. <laughs> My hypocrisy well, laid bare for the internet. You have, you have <laughs> whale-flavored horse meat. I would know because I was there when you bought it. <laughs> have you made those whale-flavored horse tacos yet? Or No, I haven't okay. done that yet. I was, I was about to defend myself by pointing out that my, bre- my little breakfast uh, egg souffle this morning was made with Beyond Beef. Like, I was going to parade <laughs> that out as a fucking virtue signal. But here we yeah. are calling me out for my... My canned whale flavored Japanese horse meat. <laughs> we got to do something with that, man. It's just like, uh, or maybe you should just keep it and wait for the apocalypse and open that up when you start when your family's starving. Yeah, I can't eat oh, it as man. a novelty right now because I'm going to need it as a survival essential when this thing really kicks when the ga- fuck off. <laughs> when, ga- when gas hits six dollars a gallon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Uh, I mean, gas is already way more expensive in Europe. I I guess one way to sort of wrap this up is if if you were traveling through the woods and you came upon uh, a fork in the road and one of those forks was led you to uh, a fully electric vehicle and the other fork in the road led you to a beautiful, majestic steed pulling a luxurious carriage. Okay. Which path would you take? Well, I would say I have more experience driving a car than I do riding a horse and um, so I would have to go with the car just based on that. Cause I don't, I, if, if I was riding a horse, I would not know what the hell to do and I would not get anywhere efficiently. Fair enough. But I, think- I do like horses. I like spending time with them. Uh, Lisa's family, they have three or four of them. I don't, uh, now every time I go there, I interact with them. They're super cool. They're super fun, but, uh, I don't ride them or anything like that. No sad dead eyes there. Yeah, no, they're they're these these are some of the best taking care of horses in the world. I would say like they're really they love they love their horses. They said the same thing about Britney Spears. Yeah, she can choose whatever she wants. Yeah, Britney Spears Instagram is fucking lit now. Anyone out there, if you if if you if your fourteen year old self wants to wonder what uh, Britney Spears <laughs> looks like, just go whatever to her makes fucking her happy. She's a grown ass. Yeah, woman. exactly, exactly. Whatever makes her happy. I'm not shaming. I'm just saying Britney Spears is naked on the internet for anyone who wants to see. Yeah. <laughs> And she's not trying to hide it. Yeah, her her Instagram, like, she just immediately popped off. She's like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, and fuck you. Here are my tits. Yeah. And fucking respect. Yeah, of course, like, yeah. Like, she's she's literally been caged for 13 years, and she's just yes, like... It's insane, yeah. This is, the, this is the exhilaration of just absolute fucking complete and total freedom and autonomy. Whenever I heard people say, well, Britney Spears is a human rights issue, I, like, laughed, and then I learned more about it, and I'm like, oh, my God, it kind of is. It's, like, really fucked up. 
So yeah, actually, when Matt and I were planning the podcast, uh, we we originally intended to do a uh, a free Britney episode because it hadn't really popped off yet. And then uh, we recorded a demo of that probably in August as one of our test episodes. And we ended up abandoning it by the time we launched the podcast, just because by then it had blown up and there were documentaries on Hulu and everybody was very well aware that Britney Spears was a prisoner in her own home. Yeah, so we did the episode, but we ultimately ended up abandoning it. But speaking of achieving freedom at an unconventional age, I just wanted to wrap up this very special birthday edition of Don't Wreck Yourself uh, with another question from r slash no stupid questions, which is a gift that keeps on giving. User Ordinary Mail 151 wants to know, what do you get an 18-year-old boy for his birthday? And what I love about this is whatever list we create for an 18-year-old boy is probably going to apply to my co-host, Matt. So I would say, what do you get an 18-year-old boy? Uh, first of all, this is an 18-year-old man, I, I would say. This is like, a, is it a, this is a legal adult now. But I would say, what you get every 18-year-old, you get them some scratch-off tickets, a pack of cigarettes, and some porn. I Well, in some jurisdictions now, they're raising the smoke, the, the age to purchase cigarettes to 21. Actually, I think that's I think that's the national standard now. Is that the national think, standard for purchasing? I think so. I gotta look this so up right stupid. now. It, that is so stupid, yeah. Everything should be one age. Yeah, in 2019, uh, President signed legislation raising the federal minimum age for sale of tobacco products from 18 to 21. So get them cigarettes if you want them to be an outlaw. Fuck yeah. Are you raising a rebel without a cause on the cusp of their 18th birthday, on the very border of manhood, and being able to register for the selected service and go off to war to die for your country? <laughs> yeah, give them, a, give them a draft card for their 18th birthday. Give them, a dra- <laughs> give them a fucking draft card for their 18th birthday. What else can we get an 18-year-old for their birthday? I just feel like I'm trying to think here. Um, what, what's something that you wanted as a, as like a, as a new adult that you didn't get um, a car, right? I mean, like every young, young adult wants independence, wants free something that gives you independence. I, I and get freedom. them a horse and carriage. Let's look to the future. <laughs> <laughs> you'd probably give a well-flavored horse meat is what you'd give them. You'd give them the horse meat, you know? Yeah. Um, I would give them a firm handshake and a pat on the shoulder. I think is what I would give them. That's a yeah. good one. A good one. You can never go wrong with cash. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for like sure. They're going to need it. You know what my parents got me for? It wasn't my birthday, but they got me for Christmas in my 18th year. They got me boots in a suitcase. Oh, wow. I was 17 years. I was 17 years old getting ready for eight, getting ready to turn 18. They got me boots in a suitcase. The message was the message was unsubtle. Get the, fuck out. the message yeah, was unsubtle yeah. and very clear. But you know what? To their credit, it was a quality suitcase because I'm still using it to this day. Oh, wow, that's good. Uh, get a job and get out was a message they were trying to send you. <laughs> that's yeah. what you get an 18-year-old boy for his birthday is a full-time job. <laughs> I would say um, if you're a university, you can just let them get, take out tens of thousands of dollars in loans as a present. That's what we've been doing for years now. We just let 18-year-olds get, get $100,000 in debt to get, debt. Art, art, <laughs> to get an art degree. Yeah. Uh, do you still have any student debt, Matt? I have a little bit because I got a master's degree and I took a little bit to live. I, I, I was able to pay. I was able to pay for my education to a pretty expensive private school with the GI Bill. I would not have been at a university were it not for the GI Bill. And then I, I do have a little bit of debt from my master's, but it's very manageable and it's not crushing at all. So here's what you can get Matt for his birthday. You, you can write Joe Biden a letter and get him to pay <laughs> off the rest of Matt's student loans. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be, that'd be kind of cool. I would notice it for sure. So, yeah. Do you know what the ultimate present is for any 18-year-old, though? I would, as a Rick Reynolds CD or 8-track? I would say... Laserdisc? I would go... I'd, I'd get it on vinyl. Okay. <laughs> Does he have vinyl? No, Rick doesn't have vinyl yet, but I would get it for... You know what I'd get Rick for his birthday? 
as a pressing of his album in vinyl. <laughs> You'd be impressed with that for sure. Yeah, you can put it into your old school DJ mix up, just a nice long record scratch and then boom, our theme song. There you go. If I were looking for Rick Reynolds music, which I do at least once a week, I would <laughs> I would I'd probably go I'd start I'd start my search at Amazon and then I'd move to Spotify and then maybe iTunes. Hey, that's where Don't Wreck Yourself is. Make sure you tell a friend. Uh, we're also on social media. We're Wreck Your Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. We have a Facebook like page and a member group if you feel, feel so inclined. Page. We got a face. We got Facebook. It's like a fucking Cro Magnon man. You're <laughs> Facebook reading like the final. Page. It's, it's, it's like what is that like caveman lawyer from Saturday Night Live that's what it kind of sounds like there um, yeah we, we also have a gmail account RecordPod. please send me your best birthday gifts uh, RecordPod at gmail.com yeah send, send Matt all your best birthday wishes and uh, when you get done with that you can chat us up on the Cash Junkie Discord server where we have a channel for our show Oh, uh, so if between now and next week, you're wondering what to get me for my birthday and you're getting ready to click on that Amazon shopping cart, <laughs> I encourage you delete that shopping cart. What I want for my birthday is for you to go out there, rate, tell us, your five friends, stars. rate us five stars, tell your friends about the show. And then if you come across any other questions that you don't have time to wait for our next episode and check yourself, don't wreck yourself. We are united, but we're so far apart.